Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody? Brendan Schaefer alongside here with another episode of B-Shafe Daily. We are still live from Jupiter, Florida, where the Cardinals are continuing on with spring training. It is Friday, February 26th, and we are just a couple of days away now from the opening to the Grapefruit League slate for the Cardinals as they will take on the Washington Nationals at Roger Dean Stadium on Sunday. So tomorrow, Saturday, could be a little bit of an abbreviated workout for the Cardinals. I'm not sure even that we're going to hear or see anything from the team's pitchers who may be having the day off tomorrow. Might be a little bit of light work for the position players in the morning, but otherwise going to be a shorter day. So we'll see if we end up doing a podcast tomorrow if anything interesting comes about. Otherwise, your boy might take his first opportunity to get to the beach while he's down here in Jupiter. I haven't I haven't seen the beach yet. I've been working pretty hard since I got here on Sunday night and have done a podcast with you guys every day since starting on Monday. Uh, my wife arrived, and so we'll be hanging out a little bit at the Airbnb and hopefully can find a way to get out safely to the beach, of course, and uh, get some, some sunshine. Though I did have a nasty streak on my leg of sunburn where I missed... A spot with the uh, with the sunscreen today, but that's okay. We're you know we're powering forward with this spring training season. Things are about to get a lot more interesting though, because when games begin, you've got a whole different level of measurements that you can take about these players as they're getting into actual competition. You can see how they're faring against other teams and and things of that nature, rather than just playing against one another. But today we did get some good insight into the way some of the team's veterans are faring against one another because they had a more accessible batting practice, live batting practice session on the actual field at Roger Dean Stadium rather than the backfields. We were able to, from the seats in the press box, get a good look at some of the team's pitchers going mano a mano against some of the team's more prominent hitters, including Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Harrison Bader. We'll talk a little bit about how some of those at-bats and matchups went today. I've already written up some of it at KMOV.com. And two of the players certainly, and by the way, I am going to get into some of the voice messages that I have received as the show goes along. And actually, it might be good to go ahead and start out with one of those voice messages before I get into who I believe was the standout producer from an offensive standpoint today at Cardinals camp because I got a message a couple of days ago from Lou Boys SC is the the name that I received on Anchor when it shows up and he was asking about the Cardinals outfield so let's listen in to his question real quick and I'll dive right into it. Hey Brennan, really curious how Lane Thomas and Justin Williams have, have looked so far in camp especially in comparison to Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. Thanks. So I appreciate the question because it gives me a great opportunity to launch into the day had by Harrison Bader 
on the field at Roger Dean. Mike Schilt this morning talked about Harrison Bader and said, you know, the question that was asked, I believe, by Derek Gould was pertaining to kind of some things that I've seen floating around Twitter and articles being written about how the advanced metrics last year really liked Harrison Bader a lot, that he hit a lot of balls hard and maybe hit into a little bit of bad luck, still ended up with a 779 OPS, his highest for his MLB career. And looking into the concept that if Harrison Bader's luck kind of averaged out and he used this high percentage of barreled balls and was able to turn those into more extra base hits than maybe he did a year ago, could he turn into an offensive force for the Cardinals? Now, obviously, Bader is a guy who defensively, what he brings to the table, that's a big reason that he's in the lineup on a consistent basis, even when he's not producing at the plate, to be honest with you, because the Cardinals know that the value he brings as a defensive-minded center fielder can be tremendous for the pitching staff. It can help them win games. And so, again, we've talked about that. It's my opinion that Cardinals Twitter and, and fans out there tend to give Bader probably a harder time than he's due, especially considering when you look at the numbers last year, I understand it was a shortened season, but certainly he was not the reason the Cardinals' offense didn't go last year. The guy was betting in the nine hole for the most part because of the designated hitter. And so if if your center fielder is batting last, producing the way that he did, which was inconsistent, but he certainly had his moments where he was able to carry the team offensively throughout a few of those games during the season, and he brings the, the prowess that he does defensively at a premium position like center field, you take that 10 times out of 10, what Harrison Bader did a year ago. If you're able to expand that over the course of 162 games, he would probably be like a four or more win player, if I had to guess, wins above replacement wise. Uh, That's just kind of shooting from the hip. I don't know the exact numbers on that, but uh, certainly a 779 OPS with elite center field defense is something you would take all day from your number nine hitter, from your eight hitter, from your seven hitter. Like, you take that from darn near any position in the lineup. Um, you certainly would like to see more consistency. But what Schultz talked about this morning was, yes, the, the metrics in our internal data did kind of agree with what a lot of people are seeing publicly, that, you know, Bader offensively made some strides successfully last year. But where he still has some room for improvement, and Mike Schultz said this, it's something that they've talked with Harrison about, so it's not any secret, is the phrase that Mike Schultz used is his splits last year and really throughout his career uh, are, are kind of prohibitive toward him being able to become a true everyday player in the Cardinals lineup against lefties last year. He absolutely masked with an OPS above 1200, which would just be, you know, nobody, nobody does that over the course of a season. Um, you can do it against uh, lefties or righties. You can have splits, but to ha- if you had a, if you had numbers like that, for a full season, um, you'd be in the Hall of Fame pretty in, in pretty short order. So, again, that was just a couple dozen at-bats that he had last year against lefties, but he was great, and he's been great throughout his career against left-handed pitching with an OPS of 855. Uh, against right-handed pitching, however, which is what you see more frequently, he struggled. Had an OPS of 643, he hit 185, and, you know, there are times where righties are able to use off-speed stuff get him low and away, get him to chase, and that really neutralizes any impact that he can have. You're not going to barrel a ball the way Bader is capable of doing for pitches that are in the strike zone if it's two feet off the plate, low and away. He swings over top of them. He has you know trouble being able to lay off of them. And so that's an area that Mike Schilt and the Cardinals staff has pegged as and, and focused in on for Harrison Bader as one on which he could improve. 
Now today, he was facing Ryan Helsley and turned around a 97-mile-per-hour fastball that there was a little bit of discrepancy upon on Twitter because Helsley, the pitcher, ended up retweeting Derek Gould and saying essentially that ball landed 10 feet in front of the warning track or something to that to that effect. I believe he had to be thinking of a different ball because everybody in the press box kind of saw the same thing and heard it off the bat, too, uh, that this ball was was over the fence by by a pretty decent margin. Um, I didn't actually see specifically where it landed because the way the press box is situated, balls in left field like that, I was kind of behind a pillar, but everybody else that had a better vantage point seemed to indicate that that was indeed a home run, and so because we didn't have anybody doing video at that moment in time, I guess we never really will know. Maybe Harrison Bader would be able to explain a little bit better what he saw, but Helsley didn't think it was gone at any rate. Bader certainly gave it a ride um, on a 97-mile-per-hour fastball off of Helsley, who's a right-handed pitcher. And then later, there's no question about this one, uh, because I had this one on video, he took Kwon Young Kim deep on a slider, left-handed pitcher. So demonstrating that he can barrel up balls against righties and lefties in the same day, I think, is a positive uh, for Harrison Bader and, and the work he's trying to put in and has been putting in in order to become a more well-rounded and, and consistent offensive player. Because, again, we talk about how he gets some flack from the fans, and rightfully so during the times where he just you know, doesn't look like he is in a good plate approach situation at the plate, and sometimes that can span for multiple days for Bader. But when he's on, he's able to impact the game in so many ways that I think that's why And fans are tired of, you know, the, the concept of hearing about, well, if he could just do this or that, then maybe he would be this or that by saying, look, it's his fifth year in, in the majors coming up. At what point is a guy just what he is? And that's totally a, a fair assessment. He's still a young guy that I, I could say at this point in time could be entering his prime and, and still could find room for improvement as he grows and develops in the game offensively he could he could absolutely continue to to get better there's some merit to the fact that you know a a guy who's inconsistent for so many years in a row maybe the expectation going forward is just that he's going to be inconsistent he'll give you bursts of of power and bursts of being able to carry a team but he'll also have stretches where he's unable to get it done and, and has to kind of fight through things but I think even at that level that we've seen Harrison Bader already that's a productive player for the Cardinals and so the Cardinals are absolutely tuned in and keyed in on that concept that even if he's not a world-beating offensive force, if he's batting eighth, if he's batting seventh toward the the bottom of the order, he can still be an impactful player for the team. Now, if he would have the ability to recognize pitches in the strike zone a little bit better, which is another thing that Mike Schilt mentioned this morning, playing in the strike zone, staying within that point a little bit more frequently, said he's done better at it but still has a ways to go. Um, which is something that I, I think fans would agree with. But if he's able to, to to do that, he could be a guy that you could consider at the top of the lineup in the leadoff spot or the number two hole because Colton Wong, having gone to the Brewers, there's definitely a vacancy at that spot. I think the natural assumption is that Tommy Edmond, who we also talked today via Zoom, not going to get too much into that today, but maybe as uh, as the weeks roll along, we can talk a little more Tommy Edmond. Uh, but he's he's a natural assumption to potentially have a shot at the leadoff spot. Uh, talked to Matt Carpenter on Zoom today as well, and it seems like Matt Carpenter's expectation is, look, if he's able to get his bat going, the Cardinals are going to be better off for it. And the Cardinals, and I would agree with this assessment, he didn't say it in so many words, but 
you know, if the if Matt Carpenter's hitting, the Cardinals are going to find somewhere to put him in the lineup, whether that means he's playing second base and Tommy Edmond, if he's performing as well, will move to the outfield. And Edmond basically said, yeah, you know, if that's what happens, if, if you know, we're trying to do the best we can to win games, that means putting the best bats in the lineup. And if that means I end up playing in, at second, great. If it means I'm in the outfield just as well, he, he wants just to help the team be able to to win games and he wants to contribute to that in any way that he possibly can but they also both of those guys recognize I think too that there's a group of young outfielders that is vying for opportunity and wanting to prove that they are worthy as well of being everyday players and Harrison Bader is one of those guys I think he already sees himself as one of those guys because he kind of has been the de facto center fielder but you think back to 2019 when Bader had to be sent down to minor leagues for a point in time because of the struggles offensively. That wasn't all that long ago. It was the last full season that we've actually seen from the Cardinals or or any team in Major League Baseball for that matter. And so because that isn't so very long in the past, it's possible that, you know, Harrison Bader still, you know, would have some things to prove to be able to lock that down, especially when you talk about struggles against righties. If if the Cardinals have one of these left-handed bats, say Justin Williams able to emerge and and can hit right-handed pitching well, you could definitely see him get some more opportunities. Now, that might look like Williams playing in right field, a little bit more limited defensively perhaps, and and then you can shift Dylan Carlson to center or Lane Thomas to center and maybe Carlson to left. Tyler O'Neill could play any of those positions as well. So it's really going to come down to, I think, who's hitting and and who's going to be able to do it most consistently to the the point of the question asked by Lou Boys. Um, You know, Justin Williams, we haven't seen a whole lot of as of yet. We know Lane Thomas poked a home run yesterday uh, that was a good 40 or 50 feet, in my estimation, beyond the left field fence off of Henesis Cabrera. So that's another guy, a right-handed swinger, hitting a left-handed pitcher. But I think Lane Thomas certainly could uh, work his way into the conversation for more playing time by the way he produces this spring. Uh, look, when we get into the games, that's really when we're going to be able to measure more regularly what guys are looking like because it's hard on the backfields to be able to see everything that's going on with batting practices and, and live BPs all at once to get an idea for who's actually performing well. So, And I don't think the Cardinals are paying too, too much attention. They'll notice things. John Mozeliak was out there on the backfields the last few days. He's watching. He's taking notes of, of things going on for sure. But I think once they get into games, that's when you can really start to measure a little bit more in a little bit more of a concrete way what the production actually looks like. Going to play one more commentary from Lou Boys SC because it's kind of interesting and goes along the lines of the the home run that I failed to catch from Lane Thomas yesterday. I understand it was a topic of conversation yesterday, so I'm going to play his commentary that maybe makes me feel a little bit better about my own failure. I appreciate you uh, opening up to your BP shagging struggles, uh, one of the lowest, least proud moments of my fan career is a uh, Prince Fielder batting practice home run hit right to me in the bleachers, right in my lap, and I and I dropped it, and another fan scooped it up. So I'm right there with you. So, look, thanks again for sending in the voicemail. One commentary I would make is when you guys do send in the messages, which I really appreciate you doing and love having you involved in the show, make sure you speak really loudly into the microphone or near your laptop, wherever you're doing it, because I don't want to have to do too much sound editing for these. Uh, And so that might have been a little bit quiet. I'm not sure if it can be heard as well as I would like. But in the future, when you head on over to anchor.fm slash bshaper12 slash 
message, you're able to record the voicemail to be played on the show right over there. And make sure you do so with the beautiful, loud, booming voice that you have. So we've talked about Harrison Bader. Let's switch gears here a little bit and discuss the day by Carlos Martinez because he's been somebody that we've discussed as, yes, we recognize he wants to be in the rotation. The Cardinals seem to be willing to give him that opportunity, but you have to approach it with a little bit of caution, I think, at this point, given how long it's been since he's performed in that role. But if he continues to show himself in that vintage form, you're going to have maybe fewer concerns than, than you would have previously. And look, today, I know it's just a live BP session, but he looked like he had it going on, to be totally honest with you. First pitch to Yadier Molina was the first guy that he faced. Was a pop-out foul of the catcher. Not too surprising with Yadi typically willing to swing on the first pitch. And, you know, those two faced off against each other in the Caribbean series. I know that Carlos got him for a strikeout at one point. But that was the guy that let it off. But after that, Carlos, I believe, struck out three in a row because he had Matt Carpenter into a long at-bat that you can find the video of at bshafer12 on Twitter. And then I got the K pitch on Nolan Arenado as Carlos got him swinging for strike three. And then the robotic strike zone that they have calling out ball or strike after every pitch. I think that's equipped within the stadium because they've used that at the minor league level previously. And they're playing here at the Class A Palm Beach Cardinals facility. It's where the Cardinals do their spring training. And then it's where the Class A team plays. Of course, it was high A in previous years in the Florida State League. Now that's going to be reversed for the upcoming season with the realignment of the minor leagues. Uh, The Palm Beach Cardinals will be now the low A affiliate and Peoria Chiefs will be switched to the high A affiliate. A little bit of housekeeping there if you weren't aware of the way things are going with that. But the robotic strike zone got Paul Goldschmidt on a called strike three. And then that's also a video that I put on Twitter. And you could hear a little bit from Carlos, a little swagger on the mound, kind of gave a little stomp like dudes out there trying to compete for a job and compete to show that he is uh, capable still of, of being the elite level pitcher that he has been in the past. And so good sign from Carlos Martinez to start things off. I think later on in the, the session, there was a walk that he issued to Arenado, but I wasn't, it wasn't quite clear what was going on there uh, from, from up in the press box, because it almost seemed like at one point in time, there was a walk and then Arenado left and then he came back and then threw a couple more balls that weren't particularly close. I don't know if they were working on pitch outs or something like that because the catcher kind of popped up thereafter but mostly Carlos looked like he was in control and command and, and, and had a really good feel for his stuff out there on the mound uh, we'll see when we get a chance to talk to him next via zoom that's kind of the one thing that's difficult about this spring is you don't just get the chance to talk to whoever you want to talk to after uh, they have a performance in a game or, or even in a practice setting like they did today uh, you're kind of at the mercy of who we get to talk to on a daily basis for zoom and we still haven't gotten to talk to everybody so we're kind of running through uh, I think one rotation through all the players that we can get our, our hands on essentially this week before games begin. And then maybe it'll be a little bit of a different situation, but we'll kind of have to adjust and, and go with the flow as as things go along for that. Uh, Yadier Molina, by the way, did hit a home run during the batting practice session as well. It's another video that I was able to capture and put on Twitter. He tagged Daniel Ponce de Leon for a long one to the left. And uh, as far as the way the other pitchers looked, I think all in all, it was was pretty solid. Uh, Kim, I believe, might have given up two total home runs. I didn't see who hit the other one. And again, it's kind of hard to tell because from the press box view, you don't necessarily have an angle to every landing zone that a ball could potentially have on a long fly. 
but I would say Kim had a couple of hard hit balls against him. That's not something that's super unusual, though. If you remember last year, while he pitched really, really well, he did have a knack for kind of allowing those fly balls that would die on the warning track or at the wall. can recall a couple of times, at least, that, that solid plays were made defensively by his outfielders to save him a run or two throughout that last season. So uh, he's a guy that pitches to contact, and sometimes you get a little bit more of the barrel on that ball than you wish as as the pitcher. And so going to be intrigued to see how he's able to fare against more competition that maybe hasn't seen him at the major league level this coming season. But KK certainly on track to be part of the starting rotation. We were wondering about him a little bit earlier in the week. Was there an injury situation there? Was it just a standard veteran maintenance, as Mike Schultz had alluded to? Uh, he did finally, though, today throw his first live BP session, and so he should be on track, barring any uh, updates to the contrary here in the coming days. Going to shift gears one more time before we get out of here for this episode of B-Shape Daily and play a message and a question from our buddy Chandler, who wants to know about one of the Cardinals' young pitching prospects. Hey, Brendan. Kind uh, of had a question. So I'm hearing a lot of these things about you know, Matt Lubitor coming up, hopefully in 2022, maybe sooner. Uh, draft out 2018, one of our top prospects. However, I'm not really hearing that much about Zach Thompson, uh, another pitcher drafted in the same year, a first-rounder for the Cardinals. have not seen anything, uh, you know, positive wording about him online. Uh, kind of seen that's something to be looking, you know, more into um, if – it's kind of failing at the professional level. Uh, thank you. Thank you to Chandler for sending in that question. Once again, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message is where you would be able to do the same if you're so inclined. Now let's talk about Zach Thompson because he's somebody that I wouldn't be incredibly surprised to see him make a rapid ascent through the Cardinals organization. It's kind of a little bit difficult to gauge where exactly we would expect him to begin, like which professional level in the organization, the minor league structure this season because we really haven't had the chance to see very much of him as of yet because he was just drafted in 2019 out of the University of Kentucky. So he was a a college-age player, which gives him a little bit of a leg up as far as being able to move through the organization a little more quickly than, say, a high school player that was drafted like Matthew Libertor when he was drafted was just fresh out of high school. So it's not as easy to ascend as quickly when you're a 17, 18 year old kid, as opposed to 21, 22, having a little bit more experience coming out. And at this point, Zach Thompson, 23 year old player, he'll turn 24 in October, left-handed pitcher listed at six foot two, uh, is a guy that pitched a little bit in rookie ball in the 2019 season. He appeared in several games at Palm beach as a relief pitcher toward the end of that season, made 11 appearances with an ERA of 4.05 in the year that he was drafted. So last year, he probably would have been a little bit more cemented at Palm Beach High A at the time had there been a minor league season. Then you might have seen him progress to double A or even beyond that at some point last year. Now, they'll take a look at him and see what they're able to glean in camp. I'm sure getting a look at him in some Grapefruit League games will be a priority, but it's going to be kind of difficult because they've got plenty of guys that they want to see from that they're actually going to have to get prepared to be members of this Major League bullpen and rotation when the season begins on April 1st. And so it's going to be a little bit of an inning squeeze, especially with the news that you could have some opposing teams that would prefer prefer to play seven or five inning games as opposed to a standard nine inning game that the Cardinals would like to play because the Cardinals are in a position 
and I don't know why other teams wouldn't be in the same position, but it's been alluded to that there there are some teams that aren't feeling so keen on all nine inning games. The Cardinals have said that that's what they would prefer to do. But at any rate, you've got the Cardinals and these other teams that are going to have to negotiate and figure out how long the games are going to be. And that's going to have an impact on how many innings you get to see on the Grapefruit League slate from some of these pitchers, like potentially Zach Thompson. They'll have plenty of work that they can do in simulated games and B games on the backfields. But there's a little bit of a difference between that and getting in front of fans, getting into a live competitive environment and trying to go out there and get the job done against professional hitters. So... In the case of Zach Thompson, I wish I had more information to give, but again, with 2020 being the way it was, we don't have a lot on him other than, look, when he came right out of college and was able to pitch a couple of times as a starter in, in the Gulf Coast League as a, as a rookie ball player, um, just pitched a couple of innings but made two starts, just got his feet wet a little bit and did did fine, and then they bumped him up to high A in Palm Beach, and he was able to, to at least hang with those guys as a reliever. 13.1 innings pitch, six runs is good for an ERA of 4.05. Looking a little bit deeper at his box score, he had 19 strikeouts in those innings, so clearly the stuff is playing at that level. He was, at the time, negative 1.9 years in age difference compared to the average age of players in that league. So a little bit younger, playing against a little bit older competition. We've talked about in the past how that bodes well if a guy is able to, at a younger age, compete against players that are a little bit uh, you know, older and, and, and more experienced than him. And so that's what Zach Thompson did in a brief uh, spell at Palm Beach. The fact that they had him as a reliever will be interesting to see if they plan on him being a reliever, and that would definitely be something that could accelerate his timeline through the system. Or if they want to take a step back and say, hey, we'll send you to Palm Beach, or actually this year it would be Peoria if he's going to be high A. We'll do that as a starter, or we'll send you to double A and see if you can catch on in the starting rotation there. But if they want him in the bullpen, I think you're going to see him progress pretty rapidly to where even if they start him in high A, he'll see double A pretty quickly. He might even go to Memphis, or we've seen before guys be able to make that leap directly from Springfield and double-A to the major league roster, especially if there's a need in a bullpen role. I, if he has a fine spring and checks all the boxes there, you're going to see Zach Thompson, I think, in 2021. It wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility that if he performs well in this setting down here in Florida, that's going to kind of get the gears turning even more than they perhaps already have been in the minds of the Cardinals front office. That, yeah, this guy's someone who could, within a few months' time, if he's able to to succeed at the levels that we put him at. He could make a rapid ascent. They've had this this kind of view of college-age pitchers before when they're drafting guys out of college after they've had two, three years of experience there uh, that they're able to then kind of accelerate their timeline once they get to uh, a professional organization, particularly, once again, if they're looking to have that player pitch out of the bullpen. It takes a little bit more uh, to be able to, to run through a lineup multiple times and expect a guy to be able to compete five, six, seven innings at a time. Uh, so it's going to depend a little bit on what they're looking at, but I think you're going to be able to figure out some of that based on the way he's used in spring if they're able to get him into some Grapefruit League games. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of B-Shape Daily, though. Appreciate you guys sincerely for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead, do me a favor, do that right now. Head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. 
click the more platforms button, or if it shows all the platforms, click the icon that you tend to use to listen to podcasts and go ahead and subscribe. Give us a rating as well. Apple Podcasts, I saw today, there's 18 ratings on the podcast, generally favorable, which we appreciate. But if you hate the podcast, go ahead and rate it that way too. But let's see if we can get some more ratings on the show. That would be awesome. And go ahead and listen wherever you do, wherever you're comfortable. Uh, We're really glad to have you along for the ride. Going to do it for this one, though. I'm going to head on out of here. Maybe we'll have an episode on Saturday. Remains to be seen, but rest assured, we're going to be coming at you all spring training, even after I've already departed Jupiter, which is still a couple of weeks away. Uh, We're going to keep it hot and heavy with the podcast, and then once the regular season rolls, this is the place you're going to want to be because we're going to break down all the Cardinals games here. You know, 20, 30 minutes the next day, you'll feel like you've at least kept up with what was going on. We'll talk about the main storylines of the team throughout the season, And hopefully it's a convenient way for you to keep up on things and uh, a convenient way for me. Have a little fun talking to fans and being able to uh, express myself in another medium that's not just the written word, which I enjoy doing as well. Wrote a story last night on Matthew Libertor. uh, Was alluded to by Chandler that he's heard a lot about Libertor. Well, go read a little bit more about him because last night I was able to, uh, to crank out another story on the other Cardinals pitching prospect. And it's really interesting because he was asked yesterday about the fact that he was traded for Randy Rosarena. And then he saw Randy Rosarena turn into Babe Ruth during October uh, last year's postseason. What must that have been like for a guy like Matthew Libertor? Does that add pressure? Does that make him feel like he's got to be something or, or be something greater than himself uh, to try to justify the fact that the Cardinals made that acquisition to get him? I thought his answers were pretty interesting and, and gave a glimpse into the kind of uh, demeanor and, and, and the kind of way I expect him to carry himself on the mound as he tries to rise through the ranks of professional baseball. So go ahead and check that out at KMOV.com. You can read my article there as well from Friday about Bader, Carlos Martinez, and some of the other Cardinals that participated in the live batting practice session. And then from there, you'll be able to uh, look forward next week to Cardinals baseball games going on and a breakdown every day here on B-Shape Daily of the proceedings. So thanks once again, and we'll talk to you next time.